right, Antioch, good morning. Oh, come on, good morning. Let's praise the Lord again. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. What a strong stage. I guess I got to bring it this morning, huh? Well, praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Jay, to you and your wife and this house, I thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to come up here and give forth the word. Hallelujah. I tell you, it was like last minute too, so. <laughs> no, it's good. I want to say thank you to my lovely wife sitting over here. Go ahead and wave your hand, babe. For putting up with me this past week while I've been meditating and just soaking in the word. Hallelujah. What a great worship service this morning. Just awesome. I felt like we were ushered into the presence of the Most High God. Did you agree? All right, listen, I'm not one of those ones that like it to be too quiet in here because it's unnerving. And if I look at you, please smile. All right? Even if you don't agree, I need a smile on your face. Amen? I need it. I need a smile. He said I was mean mugging him. I probably was. And Pastor, you have won my heart. Amen. This is an awesome service. The best worship in all Colorado Springs is right here at Antioch. If you agree, give the Lord a hand of praise. Oh, come on. Look at you. I see you. You are beautiful people. I see you in your future, and you look better than you do right now. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to make you smile in here today. I'm going to make you laugh. Hallelujah. But before we do that, we want to just worship the Lord just a little bit more in prayer. My uh, foundational scripture is coming from John chapter 1. We've already read it. We've already stood and read the word. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to John chapter 1. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God is so good. God is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we trained. I thought we trained on that. God is good. And all the time, I know it comes from the days of old, and that's my tradition here when I get up here. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, you're doing something this morning. Hallelujah. Just a, a small song here, and it goes... I surrender all. Do y'all know it? I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Yes, Lord, that is our cry this morning. We surrender all unto you, Father. We thank you this morning, God, that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, so I ask that you hide me behind the cross. Allow me to be your, your vocal cords this morning, God. Use me as meat for the master's use, prepared for this hour and for the people here today, Lord God. So, Lord, I thank you, dear Lord, that you will be lifted up 
as we continue in a series of tradition, God. Have your way like never before, Holy Spirit. Do your great work and convict the hearts of your men and women tonight, today, this morning. And God, we just give your name glory. We give you honor and we give you praise. Amen. Y'all can tell I'm breaking out of shell. I just bust up here and start singing. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Pastor Dan started a series last week on traditions and how that traditions is a good thing. He talked about how traditions are the core vehicle or form through which substance or the heart of teaching <clears throat> is transferred. He told us that traditions are generational. You know, I just wondered why, how the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, how did the people hold on to the faith of the Messiah coming? How did they hold on for 400 years? Can you imagine the generations and the different people that had to hear the traditions of the father, of their fathers telling the story about how God brought them out of Egyptian with a mighty hand? What happened? Tradition. Would you all agree? That's how they transformed that word down through. He also talked about how the power of spirit-filled tradition, how it's a transforming power. The Lord, Romans chapter 2 says, chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Traditions is, has a transforming power. Not only that, but the spirit-filled traditions has a preserving power. Thessalonians, where it says, stand fast and hold on to the traditions that you were taught through word and through the letter. He also said that traditions has an experiential power, how that we have communion, experiencing the power and remembering what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Y'all can get excited about what Jesus done for us when we take communion how that the power in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and how that we understand that in us doing it is just not an act. We don't want to just be traditional because that's just a form of doing something. The people of the world are traditional. Would y'all agree? They're traditional. They celebrate Christmas and don't even know why. They just like giving gifts, singing songs, and, and decorating the tree, Amen. But we have to understand why we have traditions, why we do what we do. There's a story about a lady and a ham. I'm going to tell this story. So the lady, she cooked the greatest ham in the world, her husband said. It was the best ham he's ever tasted. I mean, she would boil it, and y'all know how to cook a ham, right? And she cooked that ham, and when he tasted it, it was falling off the bone. And he said, babe, this is the greatest ham that I've ever tasted. But he said he noticed one thing. One thing that he noticed that before she stuck it in the oven, she would cut the end of the ham off. Have y'all heard this story? If you have, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> she would cut the end of the ham off, right? And then she would stick it in the oven and bake the ham. And when she would stick it in the oven and bake it, the husband came over and said, why do you do that? Why do you stick this ham in the oven? Why do you cut the ends of the ham off and then stick it in the oven? She was like, I, I don't know. This is the way my mom taught me. So I just followed what she did. 
He said, okay, I'm going to ask mom then when I see her again, because I got to get to the bottom of this. What's the reason for cutting the end of this ham off? All right? So time went on, and he found mom, and he asked mom, hey, mom, your wife, I mean, my wife, your daughter, she makes the greatest ham around. I mean, it's the best thing since bubble gum. Listen, this ham is so good. I mean, the meat falls off the bone. My, my taste buds, they explode with just excitement when I eat this ham. But I noticed that she cuts the end of the ham off before she sticks it in the oven and bake it. I, I got to know, why do you do that? Is there a power in cutting the ham off? Does it soak up the juices from the end? I don't know, I need to know why. And she said, you know, my mom taught me how to do it that way, so I just followed what she did. Grandma taught you that? Okay, when I see grandma, right, I'm gonna ask her why she cut the ends of the ham off. Saw grandma, hey grandma, your daughter, and my wife, they make the best ham ever. This ham is just outstanding. But I got a question for you. Why do they cut the ends of the ham off? They said that they learned this from you. So I got to get to the bottom of it. Why do they do this? And she looked at him and said, with unbelief, like, they still doing that? She said, the reason I cut the end of the ham off was because my pan was too small. And I had to stick it in. <laughs> What's my point? Traditions. All that ham going to waste. We could have been eating some ham. Man. Traditions. We do things. Why? Because somebody else did it. It's okay for children to follow what their adults do. It's okay for them to brush their teeth, wash their face, and comb their hair. Is that right? But after a while, even children must what? Grow up. Uh-oh, it's power in knowing why you brush your teeth. <laughs> and if you don't do it, that's going to be a power behind your mouth. <laughs> the Bible tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, and in all of our getting, get what? An understanding. We have to know why we do what we do. Amen? One of the, even when traditions, sometimes they can just be misguided. Misguided traditions. We're just going through a form, right? Why do we decorate the tree? Why do we worship on Sunday? Why not Friday night? Why do we worship on Sunday night? Why do we do this? It's important that we gain an understanding. Jesus said in Matthew that the commandment of God is made of none effect because of why? The traditions of men. The traditions of men. Why? Because they lost the meaning as to why they do it. They just do it as a form. Are y'all here? Amen. Amen. So today we're just going to continue on with this series on dealing with the light. Why do we light up our house? I love it. I didn't grow up with a Christmas tree. My dad was like, no. And I was like, why? He said, because I said so. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but I have married my lovely wife here, and she's changed my mind over the years. I tell you what, we, lighted, we, we set up that tree. We light it up. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing in the house. We light up our house. We have different applicable uh, traditions, candlelight services that we go to. Question is, what is the relevance or what is, why do we have the light? 
right? Hanging of Christmas tree light, the advent candles with the wreath and the lighting of the different candles. We know and understand that this brings forth, uh, Jesus brings forth hope, love, joy, and peace. This is why we light up these candles. But I just want to dig in just a little bit more as to giving you a reason as to why we have the light. We have a small video here I want you to to just look at and kind of grasp, and it's going to launch us into what we're getting to this morning. Amen? All right. Y'all ready? And in the beginning, there was dark. There was silence and a world with no mark until he spoke. Let there be land and sea, stars and sky, day and night. Let there be light. And the light was the lamp unto their feet. It was their constant and made them complete. But there was once a time when the light seemed to retreat. There was nothing to hear and nothing to see. It was just dark. Let there be And it was still, and his nation, his people, lost their will to follow in the way of the truth and the light because they'd grown weary of all the silent nights, lonely nights, 146,000 nights in brokenness, unspokenness. Was there any hope left in hoping this would change? In the silence and the darkness, it was easier to see the sinful and the heartless and the evil and the enemies. In the silence and the darkness, it was all about me. Let there be. And my pain and my shame and my need and disease in the silence and the darkness, circumstance trumped promise and made us sure God forgot us. His words had been the lamp unto their feet, their candle and comfort. But now, where was he? Let there be. In the silence and the darkness, a teenage girl was sleeping and wakened to an angel who told her, Do not be shaken. For among all the nation, these people, his children, God found that amidst his silence, child, you still listen. She thought it'll be impossible to hide. She knew everyone would think that she lied. She knew in her growing belly there went her pride, stature died, and yet, When it came time to decide, she carried out this mission, this vision, this awkward position with her head held high. It didn't mean that they weren't feeling the forces of circumstances, secrets, anxieties, and weakness, weariness, and desperation. He wouldn't, would he? Let there be. Allow the Messiah to be born where there was no floor, no door. God, this was not home. What will we say when someone asks us? And in the midst of all that, there was, of course, taxes. Talk about circumstances. But in that dark and silent night, she saw the hope and love and light, and she still listened, tuning their ears to hear. 400 years they yearned, generations waiting for his declaration in anticipation of his announcement that would certainly act as an assailment against the establishment. And dark would be no more. Warrior God would come. They were ready for his roar. And so they waited just one silent night more, when finally a decree 
let there be. But it was no battle cry that broke the night and lit up the sky. No, not quite. It was a baby's cry. Crying that put an end to dying and tonight brought a new dawning. Let there be light. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What a powerful video. Let there be light. Say light. Light. Amen, amen. I'm just going to read the foundational scripture here. We've already done it, but I, I feel the need to do it again. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was made, without him there was nothing made. And in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're talking about the light this morning. But I just want to give you a view. Just like this video, light was the, the theme in the fabric of this video. Just like it was in this video, it's all throughout the Bible. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. Let's go there, John, uh, Genesis chapter 1. First chapter, I just want to show you something that I learned uh, even through this study. And it's just, it just excited me when I saw something here. Are you there in Genesis chapter 1? It's the first book of the Bible. I don't hear that many pages turn. I guess it was just turned directly there. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. I love that period because that means everything was perfect right after that period. God created it. It was done. It is finished. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the faces of the water. It says darkness was upon the water. We're talking about chaos. We're talking about dark times. We're talking about just that utter darkness that maybe can be felt. Have any of y'all been to the mines out in Cripple Creek, the gold mines there? I took a tour down there. Me and Tamara went out there a few years ago. And when we went down there, I think it was like one or two miles they take you underground. And when we went down there, the tour guide felt upon himself that he wanted to cut the lights out. <laughs> and you're talking about a dark that I've never seen before. Think about your darkest time where you ever seen. There's always a little light somewhere shining. Not down there. That reminded me of a place I don't want to go. Let me tell you. But listen, it was just dark out there, really, really dark. I mean, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. But sometimes we think that because it's dark in our lives that there is no light. But I'm coming this morning to tell you that Jesus is our light. Amen? He is our light. It said that darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now notice this. It says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. This is the Holy Spirit already present. And then it said, God said, let there be what? Light. It's the first thing he called upon the scene. We need to have light in this dark world. We need to have light to overshadow this dark world. 
Darkness clearly is just the absence of light. What do I mean? Sometimes we think God has an equal, the devil or evil. No, not so. God doesn't have an equal when it comes to dark and light. Have you ever seen light? You cut it on and those shadows, they run and hide. <laughs> yeah, my mind go a little crazy. Let me tell you. You cut the light on and shadows, they just run and hide. They got to get out of the light. It's because the Bible even told us in John that the light, the darkness cannot even comprehend it. It can't capture it. It can't hold it. It can't keep it down. Light has to shine. Amen. But notice this. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light and he said it was good. But I want you to understand something here. In verse 16, it declares that God made two lights, one greater to rule the day and one to rule the night. Notice this. There was light shining before God even made the sun. Ooh. There was light shining before God even created the sun. Light was shining already. Who was this light? I submit to you that this light was Jesus because he said he's the light of the world. This is the first light that came up on the scene. Are y'all with me? He's the light of the world. In the beginning was God and the word was with God. Amen. All right. Well, there are a few points that I want to reach here concerning light. Light comes and dispels the darkness. Light comes to dispel the darkness. One way light comes to dispel the darkness is by illuminating the plan of God. Amen. Light dispels the darkness to illuminate the plan of God. What I'm saying is light comes to conquer. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. Is this all right? All right. Yeah, I don't hear them scriptures turn. Oh, y'all must have it up there. All right. I like to hear the scriptures turn. At least just make them make some noise. Yeah, I like that stuff. But Joshua, Joshua chapter 5. Here we have Joshua. Joshua came up to the first city that was supposed to be conquered for the children of Israel. And he's looking at this city. None went in and none can come out. This city is shut up. The plan of God is a little dark. How do I conquer this city? What do I need to do to conquer this city? He's looking at it. He's ready for war. He's so much ready for war that there was this man that had his sword drawn. Y'all ready? He had his sword drawn and, 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 and Joshua ran up to him and said, hey, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And the man said, no. <laughs> he said, no. In other words, what he said was, no, I'm not here to let you just come and talk to me like that, but I'm here to come and take over. This is the light of the world that came to take over. This is what you call a theophany. This is the representation of Jesus in the Old Testament before he was born in flesh in the New Testament. Oh, yes, this is Jesus right here because he said, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Let's just pick up the narrative right here in Joshua. Look at verse, we're in Joshua chapter 5. Look at verse 13. 
And it says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite with him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. This is Jesus. And he said, and Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. That's how I know it's the Lord. You don't see man worshiping angels. They worship the angel, the Lord of hosts. They worship Jesus. Amen. Can y'all see that? So he fell down and he worshiped. And then he said, take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And he gave him the plan. The plan was now illuminated. This is what you need to do to go and conquer this city. He dispelled the darkness. Are y'all with me? He gave them the plan. Point number two. The light dispels the darkness by illuminating the path. The path. Which way are we to go? You got the plan. Now let's move down into the path. We're going to go with Judges. I promise you, I'm not going to be too long before you. But we're going to go to Judges and take a look at a man by the name of Gideon. Show you another instance. We're talking about the thread of light going down from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Jesus is in every book. If I had the time to prove it to you, I would tell you that Jesus is in Genesis. The Bible says that he is the seed of a woman that shall bruise the serpent's head. He's in that book. He's in the book of Exodus where it talks about he's the Passover lamb. Jesus is in every book. I'm telling you, he's in every book. All you got to do is look for him. He'll show himself to you. All you got to do is look for him. When you're reading your word in your scriptures, look for Jesus. He's there. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author of this book that we believe in. Amen? Amen. Are you there in Judges? Well, let me get there. Judges chapter 6 is where we are. And we're talking about Gideon. Now here we have the Israelites. Y'all know the story, so let me tell it. It's okay. We have the Israelites. And they're hiding from the Midianites. They, they have their places in caves and in rocks and in strongholds. They're hiding from them because the Midianites are some thieves. They're some robbers. They come and they take everything that the Israelites had. They took the camels. They took the donkeys. They took the wheat. They took everything. And Gideon right now, he's inside what is called a wine press. And what is he doing? He's threshing wheat. What are you threshing wheat in the middle of the wine press? Why are you doing this? He's hiding from the Midianites, right? I got to keep my wheat. I need to go to the wine press. They won't be looking for me here. But he's hiding, and as he's threshing his wheat, you can hear his heart because the Lord appears unto him. And he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And what Gideon says is what? What does he say? He says, if the Lord be with us, then where be all his miracles? He has lost his sight of the path. Where be all his miracles? Right? Where's all the miracles that I heard my fathers told me? We're talking about tradition that they passed down through the lineage. Where be all those miracles? How he brought Egypt out. I mean, uh, 
how he brought uh, Israel out with a mighty hand. Where are all these miracles? And the Lord looks at him and say, you know what? You got a lot of talk here, but no action. I need you to put your action in what you're talking about, and you will conquer the land for the Israelites. And then he started coming up with all these excuses. Well, I'm the lowest one in the lowest tribe in, in all of Egypt. I mean, all of Israel and everything. And when he comes up with those excuses, the Lord tells him, no, I have sent you to go do it. He gave him the plan, but he just lost sight of the path. The light came to make him, to have him illuminate his path. That's what the light comes to do. That's why we worship the light, because it comes to illuminate what we're supposed to be doing in life. Amen? Amen. My next point. Light dispels darkness by illuminating his presence. It illuminates his presence. Darkness cannot come and capture the light because of the presence of the Most High God. We're talking about Daniel. If you turn to Daniel chapter 3, and y'all know it, the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They raised up a standard. They held fast to the standard. Even in the workplace when everybody would bow down, there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's got a whole lot of letters and it sounds like that. <laughs> but there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar who had set up this image. I believe it was 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Is that right? And he was so impressed with it that he gave the image his own theme music. He said, when y'all hear the music, I want everybody to bow down. We got some people still bowing down to the music. What are you listening to? What are you clouding your head with? Bowing down to the music. I know it make you want to dance. I get it. But what is that music transpiring? But these three Gentlemen said, no, we're not going to bow down to the music. We're not going to bow down to the music of the world or how they move and how they operate because they raised up a standard. They said, no, I'm going to be, the Lord has called me. A lot of times there's a, land, a line drawn in the sand. You got to ask the question, who's on the Lord's side? Who's going to do what the Lord says no matter what is going on? I know everybody in the workplace is moving this way and they're not doing the right thing. But who's on the Lord's side? Who's going to raise the standard when the standard is, is blurred? When the standard is dark? Who's going to raise the standard? These three guys did. And they knew that they was faced with death. To be thrown in a fire. As a matter of fact, when they came before the king, he turned the fire up seven times hotter. Would that make you change your mind when you're in your workplace and the fire is turned up seven times hotter? Do, do I want to have this little gray area that I go into and say, you know what? It ain't so bad. I might as well, let me just do this little thing right here. Or will you continue to raise the standard because of the light? Yeah, y'all looking at me funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise the standard because of the light. But these three boys did. And we're going to pick up the narrative right here <clears throat> in verse 24. 
Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, and it says, the king was astonished. They threw these boys inside the fire, and the king was astonished. You see, yes, Lord, the fire was the center of attraction at that time. These guys getting ready to get burnt up. But when the presence of the Lord came in, it outshined the fire that was going on. Oh, yes, it illuminated. Now, no longer is the fire the center of, 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 of attraction, of attention. It's the presence of the Lord, the light illuminating in the fire. And he was astonished. Y'all see that? He was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, King, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. What did he know that the son of God looked like? How did he know that? How did he know? He knew because the light shined brighter. When times are dark, you got to let your light shine brighter in those dark areas. Amen. We got to let our light shine. We cannot have it hid underneath anything. We have to let it shine. Don't be ashamed of our Lord. Amen. Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about here. He let his light shine. They let their light shine. They raised up a standard. The Bible declares that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Don't be afraid of, rip, of anything that will come your way. Don't be afraid of that stuff. Raise up the standard in your workplaces. Raise up a standard in this world. Because as this world gets darker, they need to see our light. They need to see our light. And this light is going to allow them to be uh, drawn into it. Just like a moth to a flame. Amen. Next point. <clears throat> The light dispels the darkness by illuminating your purpose. Illuminating your purpose. And the reading comes from Mark, Mark chapter 5. There was a man who was tormented by demons in the land of Gadarenes. I don't know if I'm saying this stuff right. Y'all forgive me. But in the land of Gadarenes, right? And he was tormented. I think Jesus said we must go to the other side. And I believe that this man was crying out. I believe that he lost hope. I believe that he lost purpose. He was cutting himself. Maybe he was trying to end his life because he hadn't seen any light. He was living in the tombs. But Jesus came. And don't tell me that you don't have a purpose. We all have a purpose in life, amen? No matter what you've gone through, no matter how you may have missed the mark, you have a purpose, and God wants to put you on that purpose. And let me tell you about this man. This man ran up to him, and Jesus cast the demons out of him. It was called legion. Who knows how many of them in there was clouding his mind, a lot of times we can have our minds clouded by what is my purpose? Why am I here? Am I significant? Stop clouding your minds. You are significant. You do have a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're breathing for a reason. This man right here, he was clouded in his mind. I can imagine all kinds of things just talking to him. He cutting himself. I got to end my life because I have no purpose. 
but Jesus. Somebody say, but Jesus. He came on the scene. He cast the demons out. The man wanted to run and be with Jesus. Let me come with you. Let me come with you. And you know what he said? He said, no, you have a greater purpose. Go and preach the gospel. And don't tell me he didn't do a good job preaching the gospel. Because when Jesus came back, it was many people waiting to see Jesus. So much so that the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus and was healed because of what the man who was once demon possessed went forth and preached. Oh, this is good, y'all. I'm telling you, we're talking about the light of the world. Amen. So the light, the, the light dispels darkness by illuminating our purpose. Hallelujah. John chapter 1 verse 9 says that the light was the true light which he gives to every man coming into the world. We have a light. Y'all know that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You better let it shine. <laughs> amen, amen. And my last point, the light dispels darkness by illuminating his promise. Illuminating his promise. What is his promise? The promise of salvation. Josh, you listening back there? All right. The promise of salvation, right? And the scripture reading comes from John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And as I was reading this, I was a little, little disturbed. Here we have the, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, and they bring this woman in who was caught in the middle of adultery. Have y'all read that scripture? Don't that just blow your mind? One person can commit adultery by themselves. <laughs> right? But Jesus, they, they said, Jesus, just, they threw her down. Can you imagine how she felt? I mean, the shame, the guilt, the fear of her life because she was supposed to be stoned. They said she is supposed to be stoned, master. I'm going to see what you're going to do. She's supposed to be stoned, killed right here on the scene. What do you say do, master? What do you say do? Can you imagine what she felt, what was going through her head? Jesus wrote, he bent down and he wrote, he said, he didn't say anything. He just looked at him. He didn't say nothing. But what I see in my mind and how I think is he was writing. And then what he said was you with the first you without sin cast the first stone. I could see him writing the name and he write they sin next to it. And he point. <laughs> write they sin next to it. And he point. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden he gets to one person. This just in my mind. He gets to one person and he points and he said, yeah, you got, you was the one that was with her. Maybe you one of these Pharisees or scribes. And then he says, you without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says that they was convicted. I wonder why. <laughs> they were convicted and they went away. And then he asked her, who's here to condemn you? Who condemns you? He gave her the promise. What was the promise? Restoration. He lifted her up. He gave her hope again. 
Yes, she messed up, whatever the case was, but he gave her hope. He gave her the ability to go forth and do this thing no more. And then he says these words, the very next verse. He says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the reason, not just for this season, but for every season. Amen. Jesus is the reason for every season. Isaiah chapter 61, it tells why Jesus came. He, re- he released her. She was brokenhearted. He gave her beauty for ashes. He gave her a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine for your light has come. We have discovered that light dispels darkness by shining in at least five areas. I'm sure there are more. Jesus has a plan for us. Then he sets us on the path, brings us into his presence, giving us his purpose through his promise. Did y'all get that? Traditions are very powerful, but we must understand why we do what we do. Now, me being in the military, I got an acronym for light. And this acronym is, let us live in, the, in God's highest tradition. Let us live in the light. Let us live in the light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our light. He's our life and he has love that he's willing to share with each and every one of us. Let us not be clouded in our minds to think that we don't have a purpose. Let us not just go on through the motions of just lighting up our tree and putting lights up everything and not knowing the reason and the purpose. Jesus is the reason. He's the reason why the light shines so bright. So I say unto you, let your light so shine that men may see your light and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Amen? Amen. We're standing on our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to pray over you this this morning. Hallelujah. Thank y'all for receiving the word this morning. Father, we just thank you. I really want to pray for that one who haven't come to know the light of Jesus. Talking to you, brother. Talking to you, sister. Jesus' light is better than anything that you have experienced. Your life is worth something. There's a reason that you are here. There's a purpose and a plan for your life. God wants you to just come into the light of his his presence. He want to give you the plan. He want to give you the purpose for your life so that you can walk it out. And there's nothing else that can fulfill you. So if that's you this morning, I'm asking that you will just receive them in your heart this morning as I pray. Those in the congregation, just be praying with me. Lives are in the balance. They see in the dark world and it seems like there's no hope but there is hope there's hope in Jesus so father we just thank you for each and every heart this morning father that our hearts will be connected with yours yes Holy Spirit as you are drawing those who don't know you but they want to know you they want to step out and to understand you father I pray for their hearts may they have the boldness to say for the Lord I will stand 
And Father, we thank you, the Lord, that you equip them and you send them out, Father God, to perform their purpose. This is the reason for the light. Father, we thank you, the Lord, that you have challenged us to let our light shine, that men may see it and glorify our Father that is in heaven. God, we just give your name glory for the word this morning. I ask the Lord that it will continue to be on good ground, that it produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in the lives of your people. And God, we just give your name glory. We give you honor and we give you praise. Amen.